Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Kessman, coming to you on a Thursday, April 27th. LA Galaxy getting ready for the last game of April. They've been playing in Orlando. Already there in Orlando. Uh, we'll train tomorrow on a Friday. Um, and then get ready for that game in Orlando. No Ricky Pooch. We're going to talk about that. And of course, a lot of things going on with LA Galaxy land. A lot of things to talk about. We're going to get to uh, hopefully most of them. All of them. I would say that I was going to introduce you to a host. But I think Eric is at uh, the airport with the Iowa rowing team. And uh, Sophie is planning an event that she says uh, is going to drive her crazy. So with that being said, you got me instead, which uh, may be good, maybe not. Maybe you'll turn off the podcast right now. I will will key you in on a little bit of, of stuff. And I, I don't know. So I guess some of you on the Discord probably know this. Uh, the last the last show that I did, apparently, um, I forgot to hit record on the soundboard. There's a soundboard down here, trust me. Um, and I forgot to hit record on the soundboard. And I recorded on the soundboard. And then YouTube has a DVR function that also records and does all that stuff. But technically speaking, the soundboard sounds at least in my opinion, um, a little bit better than what just comes straight through. And actually what sounds, what most of you are listening to on the live show, um, I think the soundboard sounds a little better. Now, most of it is exactly the same. There's a little things. But anyway, I like to hit record on here. Whenever I was at the studio, uh, I used to hit record in three places. So that way I would make sure I had three copies of something. Well, I forgot to hit record. Then the smart genius that I am grabbed that file because I'm like, oh, it's always the top file because I sort by date, right? So grab that top file, went in there, processed, do, 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 publish the show, no problems. And uh, and one of my very good friends and listener, Sarah, texts me just as I had climbed into bed. She goes, it's the same show from last week. I mean, it has a different description, but it's the same show. And I'm like, how did I do that? And I went back and I'm like, I'll just pull the pull it up and, and find it. And I, I was like, okay. Like, yeah, the file's right here. And I look at the date and it was from, you know, from the Thursday before. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I went through some things, did some checks. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to record. So you'd be happy to know I did hit the record button tonight. Um, not that most of you will notice the difference, but at least in my mind, I, I, I joke around that, you know, after you do a thousand or so shows, you should probably be able to figure this stuff out. But apparently a thousand and twenty nine or twenty eight shows wherever we're at right now. Um, it is still not enough to make the little rookie mistakes on occasion. So uh, just keep that in mind. That, by the way, is also why you should always have multiple recordings of something. Uh, I know the backup rule often goes ignored, 
but don't ignore it. It's important. You need to have backups of backups. That way, whenever you accidentally do something with one, you still have something otherwise. So anyway, I downloaded the audio and then threw it into the show and then republished the show and did a whole bunch of stuff. So hopefully it wasn't too screwed up for you on a Friday morning or on a Tuesday morning, I guess, from uh, from Monday night to Tuesday and everybody is good. So um, I hope everybody's doing okay as well. I feel like the mental health of the LA Galaxy, both the supporters and the regular fans, has been has been being tested lately. Uh, so remember to get away from social media on occasion. Uh, you know, go out, enjoy the outdoors. We were having some beautiful weather here in Southern California. Really take it in. And if you are going to games, uh, you know, enjoy the fact that you get to watch live soccer. Uh, I always find it a privilege, uh, even when it's the LA Galaxy and they play a game like they did against Houston. But they also play games like they did against Austin. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. Mental health first, then worry about the LA Galaxy second if that's where you're going to go. Um... Got a lot to get to. Uh, we, we were talking about it, and Tom Bogert had dropped the news right at the beginning of the last show. Um, Mauricio uh, Cuevas, former LA Galaxy Academy player, played for LA Galaxy 2, uh, who left on a free transfer, had gone over and was playing for a Club Bruges. Um, the LA Galaxy acquired him on the uh, on the back end of the transfer window, and that was the, the last signing for the LA Galaxy. We had obviously uh, tried to put some things together in order to make some trades and move some people around. Uh, none of that came to fruition. So we get to grade the LA Galaxy's transfer window as it goes. But I want to give uh, Mauricio Cuevas uh, a little bit of something to talk about. Obviously, uh, the LA Galaxy hyping up the U-20 men's youth national team. Greg Vanny was talking about how uh, Mauricio Cuevas coming in would would definitely depart for that U-20 uh, youth, uh, the U-20 World Cup that is going to be played. I don't think the same will be said for somebody like Jalen Neal, who is an integral part of the LA Galaxy and a starting person. And I don't think that he's going to be uh, released to go play in the U-20 World Cup. We'll certainly see. I think Manny's sort of been hinting at the fact that he wouldn't. And that same thing goes for uh, Julian Aude. Uh, Aude? Aude. Aude. Um and whether or not he'll be released, and that's in his home country as well. But again, an integral part to the LA Galaxy. It's up to the teams whether or not they want to release him. Harder to do without it whenever it's in his home country and all that fun stuff. But Argentina didn't qualify. Uh, they actually didn't qualify. The only reason they get to play in it now is because they were the emergency host um, after Indonesia came in. So, anyway, Mar- Mauricio Cuevas um, was acquired from Belgian Pro League side Club Bruges. Um, basically they come out here and say, uh, Cuevas will be signed to a three-year contract through the end of the 2025 MLS season with two club option years through 2027. And he will be added to the galaxy roster pending receipt of his ITC. Uh, the deal was completed prior to the close of the primary transfer window on April 24th. Uh, the quotes are, we are pleased to welcome Mauricio back to the LA Galaxy. We have always appreciated Mauricio's talent and his passion for the club. He's a versatile fullback that will contribute to the team while continuing to develop as a player. Uh, he's 20 years old. Again, the LA Galaxy setting themselves up to have a very young defense. Um, and in my day, um, you didn't make these signings to sort of bolster a young defense, right? You didn't do these things. What the Galaxy did in the transfer window that they opened with Aude and Caligari, uh, moving Julian Araujo, uh with the Mauricio Cuevas coming in there as well. It, it's interesting to sort of set up because... I think the Galaxy have used the transfer window wisely in some ways and, and unwisely in other ways. Uh, Cuevas, I don't think, is going to be a world beater, that type of thing. It's just interesting. A guy who they really wanted to keep. In fact, Greg Vanny said so uh, in his in his weekly uh, address to the media. He said, we didn't want him to go anywhere to begin with, so we're more than happy to have him back. It's, it's interesting because there's another player, uh, 
uh, Ulianas as well and whether or not Ulianas will come back. And I have talked to some people about that, and there were some discussions. I don't know if it was this window or other windows about Giannis coming back to the LA Galaxy. Another guy who's gone over over abroad. Um, you know, things are working out for him a little bit, not really working out. I mean, the same thing with Cuevas, going abroad, testing the waters, going out and doing that stuff, and then understanding that probably the best place for him was Major League Soccer, was the LA Galaxy. Um, and the Galaxy m- m- leaving people on uh, on on free transfers and young prospects like that. Again, there's no contract that LA Galaxy Academy kids have to sign. Uh, so they can leave kind of whenever they want. Uh, whenever you go into LA Galaxy 2, there are contracts there. But whether or not they want to sign them or not, that was a big thing with Dennis DeClosa. If you don't want to be here, then we're not going to give you the playing time. Right. And so um, some of these guys have sort of learned the hard way. So we'll see about Yana's as well. Um, and just sort of how all these young kids who were brought up through the Academy, who now have gone through LA Galaxy 2, who have gone abroad, whether or not they come back, and Cuevas was sort of the first one to come back. Um, I find that interesting just in terms of uh, the the route that the young players are taking and how they come back um, into the fold and whether or not you know Cuevas will be a, a part of the LA Galaxy's future with this. But again, we've talked about it. That back line, young, um, and right now young and talented, especially on the outside, uh, say the same thing about center back. I mean... You know, you look at the ages of the of the outside backs with with Ade and, and Caligari and you sort of have to sit there and say, OK, these guys are young, but they got some real talent in there. This is, I think, a really interesting, useful way to use the U-22 slots with defenders, with talented international defenders um, and sort of how they they put that together. So anyway, just wanted to point out the Cuevas thing because we talked about it. It was officially announced. Um, people were wondering whether or not it was going to happen. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, when Tom Bogert says something, it, it happens. The other thing, did you guys see this? Um, it's really super interesting that this trade between Charlotte and um, and Real Salt Lake with Justin Miriam and Shinyashiki and players getting sent places and then the, the trade got reworked. Apparently, it fell apart. And then the trade got reworked. So Shinyashiki was supposed to be sent from Charlotte, I think, back to RSL and Miriam from RSL to Charlotte. And now instead of Shinyashiki being sent as well, it's just, you know, general allocation money and how MLS decided that even though the deal wasn't done, um, that they're going to allow it to take place and allow it to be modified um, to come back. So just remember, whenever we talk about MLS rules and how we're going to have to, while we really try to parse individual words about things that MLS can change and do anything they want, whenever they want. Um, there's a big argument and it continues to be an argument on the discord about free agents and whether the LA galaxy would be allowed to sign free agents. Um, and, and my, my position is unless the league has specifically said the LA galaxy cannot sign free agents, whether they're international or not, um, then they should be and are 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 allowed to do so. Um, remember, with a free agent, because they're not attached with the contract or attached to a team, they don't have to be moved inside of a window. They can move be moved outside of a window. Um, there needs to be no open window whatsoever in order for the movement to take place. Most of the time, those things happen inside windows because that's when contracts are up and that's when things get released. Technically, Tyler Boyd was probably signed as a as a free agent, um, but he was also released from a contract. So, you know, there's sort of a, a, a something there, but he was also it was also done inside the window. Right. Um, but you can sign him outside the window. So that's one of those things that I wanted to be like, OK, 
you know, that's 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 something that I think the LA Galaxy can still do. And if they can't, then I'd love an explanation for why they can't. Um, because there, it has nothing to do with an ITC having to be granted inside of a window. That's not how it works. Um, and technically, free agents, while they have an ITC, the ITC isn't attached to a club or a league because they're technically not under contract, right? So that's still an avenue I'd love to ask. And I'm trying to get to a place where I can ask Greg Vanny or Will Kuntz. This question specifically is, tell me about free agents and why you can't sign them. Um, so keep your eye on that. We'll we'll try to figure that one out as we go. Other news uh, that sort of came in, and so that way you know what's going on, the LA Galaxy in Leagues Cup, and yes, that is coming. Um, July 25th and July 29th, the LA Galaxy, both games at Dignity Health Sports Park. First on July 25th, that game, 7.30 p.m. against Leon from uh, Liga MX. That's going to be an interesting game. Should be a fun one. Uh, so July 25th, that's when you'll find the LA Galaxy in Leon playing at Dignity Health Sports Park, and then the LA Galaxy will host Vancouver Whitecaps on July 29th at 7.30 p.m. That Those are your group stage games. Um, you'll play those two games, and then two of those teams will advance, so the lowest one is knocked out, and then you go into a knockout round with all that fun stuff. But it was actually announced here. We know what time it is, 7.30 p.m. for both of them again, July 25th and July 29th. Make sure you try to uh, get those calendars rocking and rolling. And as we go into other tournaments that are also there, the LA Galaxy drawn into their U.S. Open Cup group earlier this morning. Uh, the LA Galaxy were put in a group with the Timbers, with Real Salt Lake, and with the Sounders, all from Major League Soccer. Uh, and then in that draw, the LA Galaxy will host a game. So first of all, one of the most important things with U.S. Open Cup is home games. You want as many home games as you possibly can because teams that get home games win more games. Okay, the lack of travel, the home field advantage, all the fun things that you sort of get in there. That is usually a key to success. If you are going to win a U.S. Open Cup, you probably don't want to play any more than two away games. And if you have to play, you know, really, you'd like to only play one uh, away game. It was one of the reasons that Seattle used to be so uh, successful in the U.S. Open Cup was whenever they would bid and teams didn't want to host because it wasn't monetarily feasible. Seattle would just end up playing most of those games at home. All right, so the LA Galaxy get the home game, and they will be playing against the Seattle Sounders. Um, this is the round of 32 now, so the LA Galaxy got to advance one more round than uh, than they started last year in. Um, and this was due to, I believe, their MLS finish. Um, in the league, they were granted a buy in that way. Uh, the LA Galaxy did still get screwed in, in overall terms of the draw. Um, especially whenever they went to regionalize things and sort of how those sit. Um, I know that LAFC came in and I think they have two or three uh, lower division teams within that one um, within that one group as well. But the LA Galaxy get drawn into the one with all four. I, I will say this. I don't hate the Seattle draw. Um, I know lots of people being like, when was the last time the Galaxy beat them? 100% understand that as well. But the Galaxy always plays Seattle well, always seem to step up for that. And this really is a game that you can sit there and say, Greg Vandy doesn't really have a choice, right? You're playing first team. Um, Seattle's probably going to play first team. It's your first time sort of in this tournament, in this position, in this, in this, in this, in this year, you're going to want to sort of uh, throw a lot forward and, and try to be good about, about making a good showing. And, you know, Vanny talks about competing for cups and I, he always says responsibly too. So let's always make sure, we always put the responsibly in there because that certainly means, yeah, he could throw some guys in there who haven't played. Um, and but uh, again, you know, is there an easy game in this? I, I don't know that there is not for the galaxy. If we go back to the to the groups, do you want to play? Who would you rather play at home? Probably maybe RSL. You'd want to play RSL at home. 
that's the that's the one that you want to have host. Maybe the, the Timbers aren't a great draw. The Galaxy have had some success, but I don't think you want to play them right now. They seem like they're pretty hot. Sounders are are, are fairly hot, right? So, um, it's I again I don't have I don't have a problem with the draw. I know lots of people were like, oh well, this you know the Galaxy are going to lose that game. Yeah, I mean there's a very good chance the Galaxy could lose that game, but the fact that it's at home. Um, and quite honestly, go back to Josh's roulette theory, right? You guys all remember my roulette theory. The uh, Seattle has been red, 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 red. Uh, it's time for the LA Galaxy to land on black a little bit here and and to push back against Seattle. And if you want to be in competitions where you can win games, this is this is one of those that needs to happen, right? So um, again, I like it because I think the Galaxy always get up for the games against Seattle. They always play well against Seattle. They have lost recently, even in those games. But that's sort of the LA Galaxy's MO was last year and certainly is through the start of this year. So um, somebody called me uh, overly optimistic about the draw. And I said, it's just that I want a team that the LA Galaxy are going to get up to play because in the U.S. Open Cup, it's so easy to be like this tournament is not important to us. Um, and if you play against the Seattle team, I guarantee you the LA Galaxy will be locked and loaded and ready to go and play in that game. Um, certainly a test of depth uh, should be a test of a lot of things. And it adds a ridiculous schedule into the LA Galaxy and a lot of other teams as well. Damian Calhoun sort of pointed it out. He goes, uh, May schedule is going to be a chore opening stretch at home, though. Um, I will bring up the schedule here in a second, but what it's missing, and even before I came on the air, I tried to see if they had updated it yet, um, was that game and when the LA Galaxy would be playing it, and it is going to be a 7.30 game on May 10th. I'm going to verify that again. Um, but yeah, that's that's not a... That, that's 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 sort of in that window of where the Galaxy are going to play. So then they have that, that May 10th game, then it's May 14th versus San Jose, May 17th at Columbus, May 20th at DC United. The Columbus at DC United is going to be... It's going to be ugly. Uh, DC starting to come alive a little bit. Had just beat Orlando this last game. Uh, Orlando obviously reeling and has lost, I think, three home games in a row. So um, they're really trying to figure things out at home and struggling to do that. Uh, May 27th versus Charlotte and then at RSL to figure finish out May. So uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in May. Are you ready for some soccer? Um, that's That's one of those crazy things that sort of comes in there. Uh, this is a lot of games. Uh, the Galaxy are going to be tested on on schedule wise and everything else. Uh, like I said, last game coming up as we look at the schedule and sort of press through on the schedule. Um, Orlando sitting there coming up the last game in April, April 29th. We'll get you some more information about that game as we go. And then this is the, the schedule that doesn't even include the Open Cup game. But the LA Galaxy home to Colorado with Kevin Cabral's return. Uh, in that particular case, there's also a bobblehead night going on uh they're selling them for about like you know they're, they're doing a deal one ticket and one bobblehead right so you get a ticket and a bobblehead for 35 dollars. so another uh pretty screaming deal for a 7 30 p.m game on may 6th uh we'll talk about angel city brigade announcing that they're coming back on may 6th as well should be a very interesting atmosphere um we'll go ahead into into some of the details that we have there as well but just wanted to again highlight sort of some of these things that are that are coming very very quickly so you're going to have home to colorado then you're going to be home to seattle uh then it is home to san jose right uh then away you go to columbus and dc in that mixed road trip galaxy i'm guessing will not return from that road trip we'll see we're going to ask greg vanny about it as they get closer and then la galaxy hosting charlotte uh and then the la galaxy away to real salt lake one of the more difficult places to play all right colorado's not a good team san jose i mean you want to say that they're not good they have been playing well i think they're actually fifth in the western conference if i'm not you know what let's pull it up real quick 
Why guess when you can look it up? Yeah, fifth in the Western Conference. Just want to make sure. Um, San Jose not playing horribly, although they did just lose to a lower division team in the U.S. Open Cup, but that's probably not a real deep team. So you sort of sit there and say, okay, you understand why they probably could lose. Um, Columbus is always a difficult, especially whenever you're playing there. D.C. will be difficult to play there. Uh, L.A. and Charlotte, that's a game the Galaxy potentially should win. Uh, you know, and then away to RSL. I, again, it's hard for me to ever predict wins whenever you're talking about road games, um, but not the easiest, but not the toughest path. Certainly the LA Galaxy in, in April, I think, had a tougher path um, and made things even more difficult for themselves whenever they uh, they lost to Houston. Uh, but coming off of one win, Galaxy probably pretty jazzed without Ricky Pouge. That's always, that's always the question. Um, I, I don't know that... I don't know that we've seen... And I'm going to go back and just scroll through and make sure I didn't miss any super chats. Whenever I'm doing this by myself, it's always, uh, always hard. Um, you know, I don't know that we've, we've really seen, uh, what this LA galaxy team can do yet. Uh, certainly there's some questions about depth and questions about lots of things. Uh, but I did enjoy this post. This sort of came out on Twitter. Uh, Aldo Kami, um, basically said soccer could be magic and it could be cruel in the West. One big XG differential outperformers finding it beautiful. He's talking about St. Louis and then three teams might find it very cruel. He talks about the LA Galaxy Rapids and Sporting Kansas City. So what we're going to compare in this chart is expected goal differential to actual goal differential. All right. And in this particular case, the LA Galaxy have an expected goal differential of actually right around zero, 0 0.2, right? So they score, score some goals um, and allow some goals, and those should be equal right now, depend, depending on things. Where the Galaxy actually are, minus five. Um, so they're you know basically five points away from that, that center spot. Um, and you would expect to see you know, hopefully something that, that would start to equal itself out. Maybe we saw that a little bit against Austin. I will say this, though, like, you know, expected goals and all the things that have sort of come into this. We've seen the LA Galaxy not be a team really so far this year outside of the Austin game of creating big chances and scoring big chances. Uh, they've had half chances here and half chances there. We talk about the XG all the time, which I think is a useful tool. It's especially useful whenever you watch the LA Galaxy chip, chip, chip away at things, right? Um you know, how can you, it, it's almost like giving change for like a $10 bill, right? There's, there's like a, a really good chance would be like, if you want to give a $10 bill would be a $10 bill, right? Like, Hey, I have a $10 bill. That's all of the $10 bill. I can do it in one shot and then I get a $10 bill out of it. Right? So that's one piece. The LA galaxy are more like putting down 10 ones whenever they go at, Oh, we have a shot. That's not really good, but we're going to add it to the next shot. That's not really good. The next shot. That's not really good. The next shot. That's not high probability. Right? And so when the Galaxy do this and as they go through it, you can sort of see, you know, how the XG forms and you can go look at the LA Galaxy and they'll be like at 1.2 on the on the expected goals. Um, and then you'll go back and you'll look at the chances and there's not one that's above, you know, 30 percent um, and 30 percent can even be a high, a higher, higher ish probability. But really, the big chances are like, you know, the point three fives, the point fours, the ones that are you should be generating on a regular basis. And that's how you climb into these expanded XGs that get you into twos and get you into two and a half and that type of thing. So we can look at this and say, yeah, the galaxy are underperforming their XGs. But we also know the XG is actually lying to us a lot with the LA Galaxy or has through the first seven games and, and most probably pretty accurate in the eighth game. All right. So, again, something to watch. But it is interesting to, to look at all this and, you know, um, Sporting Kansas City sort of in that same spot. And they're having a whole bunch of trouble. Colorado, the LA Galaxy's opponent is after Orlando is in the same spot. And then you have somebody like 
like St. Louis, who is plus 11, right? They're plus 11 on basically on their, on their actual, on their expected goals to their actual goals. Um, and so plus, I mean, that's a, we talk about regressing to the mean. That's the one you want to see regress to the mean. That's the one you want to see it fall back towards everything uh, whenever it comes in is St. Louis. It's one of the reasons that, you know, it's I think a lot of people have sort of been skeptical of the start that St. Louis has had. But you can't knock it either, because if you go and look, even if you get lucky and even if you say St. Louis is lucky, they're at two point one one points per game right now. They can ride mediocrity for a while and still very comfortably find themselves in the playoffs in this year right? The Galaxy in 13th place, St. Louis in first place. So rather be lucky than good? Sometimes yes, especially for a a new organization like St. Louis coming in. Um, Because they want to ride that that success and that luck um, to give themselves the biggest head start really that you can get. Uh, it's sort of like running a race where you get to leave a, a, you know, five minutes early than everybody else. And, you know, as long as you are, are, don't suck horribly, you know, you can still finish in the middle of the pack. And that's sort of where St. Louis is. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see St. Louis finish themselves in a top six spot. I don't think the number one spot in 19 spot is sustainable for them. But having said that, um, it wouldn't surprise me either if they continue to sort of find quote unquote, the luck. Um, and we'll see if, uh, if that is, is one of those things that sort of happens. Um, one of the other things I wanted to get to, and and this was, uh, MLS was grading the transfer window. So let's grade the LA galaxy's transfer window, right? Uh, Julian Aude, Tyler Boyd, Lucas Caligari, Chris Mavingo, Memo Rodriguez. These are the big additions that they said you can put in, uh, Gino Vivi. You can put in Memo Rodriguez, but you saw Kevin Cabral go. You saw Sam Grancier go. You saw Derek Williams go. You saw Julian Araujo go. I know some of these feel like they were forever ago, right? Um, there were other players who went as well, but you know, looking for key additions and key departures, this is what MLS called out. Now, they gave the LA Galaxy a B minus, and I want to know what you think. Um, is is this is that a fair grade for the LA Galaxy? It's I'm of a mixed opinion on this. In some ways, I think this undervalues what I think are really smart finds with Aude and and Caligari, and as I sort of alluded to earlier, the the use of the U22 slot in an international defensive role and to find guys who, yes, they're young, but have experience. I feel like those are, are A-plus finds in terms of what you went and what you had. You had to replace somebody like Julian Araujo. Have I, ha- I mean, listen, Julian Araujo is always going to have a special heart in LA Galaxy players' minds. I'll tell you, we saw him in the, in the tunnel after the Austin game. Uh, and it was nice to see him. And it was one of those. We were like, hey, get Julian Rajo in here so we could talk to him in the media. And they're like, he's not our player. And we're like, well, just tell him to walk through and we'll just shout things at him whenever he comes by. But he shares a special spot in L.A. Galaxy fans heart and in the media heart. Uh, we got to watch him sort of grow up and become a player. Now he plays for Barcelona, um, even if that, that's Barcelona, you know, their B team. It still matters. So Julian Rajo. But I'll, I'll tell you right now. Caligari is a Julian Araujo-esque type player, maybe a little smarter in positioning, maybe a little more disciplined in his go forward. Uh, Vanny calls him, you know, a, a little bit smarter on that front. And you can certainly understand why you would say that. 
And I don't think this is a knock on Julian at all. The LA Galaxy moved an asset in Julian Araujo and got somebody like Lucas Caligari, and that seemed to work. And by the way, I'm going back to calling him Lucas Caligari because Greg Bandy calls him Lucas all the time. And I don't want to be the only person just calling him Caligari, uh, even though that whole Brazilian one name thing is definitely there, right? Um, so I think that that finding that and and replacing somebody like Julian Rajo, I mean, we were on this program saying it's going to be really hard to find to replace somebody like Julian Rajo. I think Caligari could be that guy. I think Caligari will grow into the position. I think he's smart technically. I think he knows when to run. I think he's smart about his conditioning and when he chooses to run and having gas left in the tank for the 90th minute and not just, you know, running out of gas in the 75th minute. Um, so I really think that the Caligari was a big find, right? That the Aude find could be huge. We've seen him so little and the same thing with Caligari. We've really seen him so little, but it seems like those are hits and not misses. Uh, Chris Mavinga, depending on whenever he comes back, could be a very good backup and very useful to the LA Galaxy. We've seen hit, you know, he went down with an injury. Um, we've seen Sega Koulibaly not be available for some of these games. So overall, Chris Mavinga, probably not horrible. Memo Rodriguez. I know lots of people are mixed on him. Vanny calls him a central player. We're going to find out against Orlando whether or not Memo Rodriguez, I think, can play in that center position. Um, again, in Josh's mind, the idea is to change as little as possible whenever you're trying to find replacements. And if that's the case, then maybe you can slot Memo Rodriguez into a Ricky-like position, allowing Brugman to get forward a little bit, allowing Delgado to stay back and still protect him and put him in the center, um, depending on what formation the Galaxy play. Do they go 4-4-2 again? Or does, does Greg want to be more defensively sound so he's going to go with one with Chicha up top? Certainly all questions to ask. So that's where I sit there and say, you know, I think they undervalue the, the, the Aude and the, and the Caligari. But having said that, one of the big needs and one of the big moves I think we all expected was the buyout of Douglas Costa. And if you're not willing to buy out Douglas Costa, um, that puts you in a position to not necessarily find the needs that you need to have. Um, and that's that's important as well. Um, so that's why the B minus might be. Like I can see it as harsh because I sit there and say, you know, a BB plus really with what they had. If you're going to keep if you're uh, going to keep Douglas Costa and you always knew you're going to keep Douglas Costa um, and then that sort of negates your need for an out and out winger, then maybe it's an A window. Um, but if you if you want to do that differently and you want to change things up and you want to say, no, Douglas Costa shouldn't be on the team anymore, which is something we certainly argued, um, then the B minus um, is maybe is is a little is a little nice to the LA Galaxy too. Maybe it should be a C. You had one glaring hole, which was to get another winger complimentary to Tyler Boyd on the other side, and you didn't get it, and now you have to depend on Douglas Costa, and who can trust him right now? I know Galaxy fans can't, and I know that it's something that um, that we've certainly questioned about whether or not that would happen either. So, but that's where we're, that's where we're sort of at, all right, uh, with that. So, I mean, I'd love to know your opinions as well. Tell me. A minus, B minus, C, D, E, F. Is it a complete failure knowing that you really should have moved on from Douglas Costa uh, and you didn't? And what does it say about AEG, right? What does it say about AEG that the LA Galaxy st stuck with a contract with Douglas Costa whenever they, he's a big question mark for this? Chicharito's a big question mark. Probably his last year with the LA Galaxy, unless there's some hidden extension we don't know about. But Chicharito, they're going to depend a lot on Chicharito. And that means he's going to have to be healthy. And if he's not healthy, the LA Galaxy are going to struggle. Uh, it's the same with Douglas Costa now. They're going to depend on him, especially with Ricky Pooj out. And if Ricky keeps getting yellow cards, he's going to be out a lot. Uh, you go five for your first one, your next one is eight. So he's got three more. If he gets 
three more yellow cards in the next three games after he comes back, he would be suspended again. All right. So again, these, these are sort of the things I think you have to gauge whenever you're talking about the transfer window. Now, one of the things that we certainly want to talk about is Greg Vanny and his explanation of the transfer window. And yes, I know you all want to talk about ACB and them coming back and we will get to that, but we will certainly cover all the news here because it's not just soap opera. Uh, we're also trying to make sure that everything is that you have all the LA galaxy news you need whenever you watch Orlando and you're not surprised by anything. Um, here is Damian Calhoun asked about Paul Areola and did you get that winger and you know the whole deal did it did that work out for you so let's hear what Greg Vanny had to say and I get a little break he says we're gonna try it again do, 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 do. here we go yeah as I, as I said to you a lot of there was a lot of <laughs> I went through the list of, of uh, players that we were we were looking at, communicating with clubs that we had spoken to. Uh, we were very, very particular in many ways and didn't want to settle and wanted somebody who could really come in and uh, who we felt could, you know, really take our team to a different level if that was the case. And if we couldn't, then we would remain disciplined in our in the project. And so. Uh, we looked, like I said, at a number of guys, and for varying reasons with each guy, is, is this window is is challenging because, you know, everybody's under contract right now. Very few guys are without contract. Uh, so then you have to you have to work with clubs. You have to sometimes pay transfer fees. Then you have to pay a salary to a player who you want to come here to be a starter or a, to be a guy who's really trying to take us to another level. Uh, in the winter window, it can be challenging in that in that capacity. And so you know, a lot of the guys that we talk to. Um, without, <laughs> without, uh, there's not one person who wasn't under some sort of uh, situation that became very difficult to achieve what we wanted to. So, we have some resources. We'll continue to grow. Our team is, you know, getting getting Javier healthy for the last two games, getting Douglas back into the mix, getting our two fullbacks back into the group. That we are, you know, getting healthier, and we're getting. Uh, I think we're continuing to get better as a group, and so you know, we we keep our money, and we see where we are as we continue to progress towards the summer, and maybe we even make a more specific move that is uh, beneficial for the group in the summer if the right thing happens. That move would have to be before the window opens. No, that move would have to be internal now. Okay. Yeah, so it would be internal, but. What happens in the summer is there's so much movement with players coming in from the outside. It also can free up players on the inside. So it, it's just, you know, the winter windows are sometimes challenging, especially once it closes in January in Europe because teams can't replace the guys that you that you take from them. So, look, we, we think we're in a position now to keep progressing our group and uh, maybe even make a more pointed decision here in, in the summer. All right, Greg Vanny talking uh, to, I think Damian Calhoun and Alex Ruiz were out there. I think that was sort of the two reporters. Uh, if there were others, I, I missed them whenever I was listening in, so I apologize. Um, so, uh, again, I think the Galaxy do deserve, and let's temper this, all right? I'm not saying this is 100%, so I will. I have some, some, some caveats to this. I think they do deserve some credit for not panic buying because they have done that before. Did it with Jonathan Dos Santos, 100%. Um you know, it was, you need to give me something, so give me anything, and then anything ended up being Jonathan Dos Santos, right? So we've seen how those sort of go about. The problem I have with this particular, with saying, oh, well, you know, it's a difficult window and all this stuff is that, yeah, it is. And, you know, all the guys are under contract, and yeah, it gets more difficult whenever January ends because the guys in other windows that can't be replaced, but you knew that, and everybody knew that. 
So there's no real excuse in my mind for, and, and I, I get to use excuse. Uh, nobody else does. Those are my rules. Um, there's no excuse for, for saying, oh, well, we couldn't get people because it's difficult after January. Well, then you should have got people before January. I do think, and then there's part of this as well, that I do think that the Galaxy learns stuff in those first, you know, in the first month or so of the season to try and figure stuff out as well. You know, the whole talk about in the preseason with Efrain Alvarez is, oh, this is his breakout year. This is the one he's going to do it. And, and that hasn't been the case. Greg Vanny talks about it and says he, he needs to see him put in the work. And if he puts in the work, he can play again. He's not in the doghouse. Um, but I th- also think he's in the doghouse, right? Um, so that intensity they had in preseason, he needs to show it again. Uh, and, and then he could play again. But, you know, they're learning these things. You know, they're learning about Chicha being injured and that they, you know, maybe the maybe the answer is maybe we don't need a winger. Maybe we need another forward that actually can score goals because we're worried about, you know, what happens if Chicharito gets hurt. Maybe we need another winger because Douglas Costa isn't going to be as committed. Although Greg said today uh, or said yesterday in his training that he believes that Douglas Costa is committed. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Douglas Costa starts against Orlando. Um, I don't know that that's a perfect position for him to be in, but get your designated players on the field. We've talked about that a a lot of time. Um, So uh, again, trying to grade things and trying to like understand the transfer window from Greg Vanny's perspective. Yeah. Okay, Greg, I get it. And um, good job. You guys should be applauded for not spending stupid money on stupid players. Um, I do think they're setting up for something in the summer and the Paul Areola questions about him and, and him possibly coming in tell a lot of sort of what they're possibly willing to do as well. And I think they can still bundle things. We talked about Raheem Edwards and and uh, F. Ryan Alvarez. And if that internal transfer market opens up, which we haven't heard about, right, then the Galaxy could use cash straight up to buy from other teams and, and to do that as well. Uh, Vanny did say that the move had to be internal. Um, and then, uh, people were saying, well, that means that, you know, you can't do the free agent thing. Like you said, and I just, again, I don't think that is, um, I don't, I just don't think it's true or MLS specifically said, we're not going to allow you to sign free agents outside of the window. They could have, and they just didn't tell anybody. And that could have been like, Hey, this is abide by our rule, which is you get one window at the front and that's it. You don't get any other windows. I think Christian Wilhelmson came in after the window as a free agent, came into the LA Galaxy, um, and they helped uh, helped him win a MLS Cup. Was that in 14? I can't remember if it was 12 or 14. The the Even the uniform doesn't pop to my head. Um, so anyway, uh, that's where we're sitting for the LA Galaxy and the transfer window. Transfer window now closed. Galaxy says, and Vigeni says, basically, we did what we did, and we didn't find the exact person. Um, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, $2 super chat from Tim. What a week for this team and their supporters groups. Uh, thanks, Josh. You're welcome. Thanks for the uh, super chat, Tim. All right, let's get to the, the big news that, that broke, um, with angel city brigade announcing that they're going to be returning to the stadium, uh, ending their boycott, at least the boycott of not going to games, whether or not they still protest in the stands certainly could be, uh, something we've seen. I am going to take the, analytical road on this as well. Um, I, I have, I, I think that there's things that are, are absolutely true. And I think that there's things that people are speculating speculating on way too much. I'll do my best to sort of try to f- 
try to point those things out and we can we can do that um angel city brigade uh, members in la galaxy family angel city brigade has uh, always stood for supporting our team through thick and thin however a breaking point was reached and we were called to action what followed over the last few months was unprecedented a boycott of the la galaxy to seek accountability and change within all levels of the organization during that time we have attempted to listen to what our members wanted to see changed and have been in countless calls and meetings to gain written concessions that indicate change it is especially important to emphasize that many of these are in writing so we're able to continue to hold the organization accountable should metrics uh metrics agreed upon uh not be met we feel like we have achieved enough to announce a return to the stadium beginning on may 6th the protests will now move into the stadium and the stands in consultation with our members we found an we found an energy to make our displeasure heard within the stands we will continue to voice our displeasure at the current regime and continue to ensure the accountability that we deserve this will be an effort that is not fixed in one game that is abundantly clear but we are confident we can continue to move for work toward a brighter future uh, with the promises Klein and the front office have made to Angel City Brigade. This is just one step in continuing in a continuing journey as we move ahead, uh, a more eternal galaxy. So uh, the original statement that comes out by the uh, by the supporters groups, by the way, um, was given recent news regarding Chris Klein's contract extension. Leadership of the Los Angeles Galaxy supporters groups have unanimously agreed not to attend any matches until the change in the front office is made. Uh, we encourage fans of the club at all levels, whether members of organized support or otherwise, to join us in this action. Uh, this boycott does not come from animosity to the players and coaching staff, rather a frustration with continued front office practices that have placed off-field business in higher importance than on-field product. Our expectation is that executive leadership for our club will work with transparency, with honesty, and with professionalism. We demand that all of them involved in pride in our colors as we do. We will no longer tolerate the types of dishonest and apathetic business practices which have embarrassingly come characterized from front office and executive executive operations. We will not return to the stands until change is made at the highest level. We promise to promise to collectively ensure that our club returns to ordering operating with integrity and openness as it has in the past. We'll accept nothing less. Um, so that was the original one and the angel city brigade decided to come back. There was a document, which I cannot, uh, I cannot validate a hundred percent. Um, but I have seen nobody refute that this is in fact something, but it was a vote count for angel city brigade. Um, you know, basically saying that we have sent a letter to the front office saying ACB will return to the stands on May 6th. Um, we will continue to voice our displeasures, sort of a lot of the same things, uh, 129 votes. There were 81 yeses and 35 no's. Um, not a, not a, for, for Angel City Brigade, I would have expected that vote total to be higher. Um, but I don't know who was in charge of voting or who was allowed to vote and all those other things, but that's how this went. There was a vote put out and this is why, um, they were back there. So, uh, you have Angel City Brigade breaking with the rest of the supporters groups and, and saying, we're going to come back. Now they have said that they have written concessions. And the interesting thing is those seem to have also, uh, leaked out at, at least that was the, uh, the, the, uh, document that was being spread around Twitter. I believe this is also accurate. Again, I haven't seen anybody refute this and say that there isn't, uh, that this is not correct. Um, so let's go through some of these things that ACB has in terms of the written document um, and in terms of uh, the, the commitments that they believe they've gotten from the front office. Um, ACB says they would sign this document and publish a personal statement of commitment to the fans. Uh, the FO response was basically no signed document from Dan and Klein, but offered a joint statement from ACB and Klein. Klein sent out an email to season ticket members setting a benchmark for the season uh, for this season or he leaves. Uh, ACB's demand was make the playoffs every year, win a championship, MLS Cup, CCL, US Open Cup prior to the end of the 2024 season. The front office response was make the Western Conference semifinals this season in 2023 or Klein resigns as president of the LA Galaxy. I think that's really important. We'll come back to that. 
Okay, remember that. So in the written response, it is this season, semifinals, 2023, or Klein resigns as president of the LA Galaxy, okay? <clears throat> Here are some other things. Um, ACB establish and hold monthly meetings with the LA Galaxy front office, including the current president, supporters group leadership with Dan Beckerman present for at least two meetings a season, include supporters groups and sections of uh, uh, sections and onboarding of front office supporter liaison. Uh, the front office agreed to monthly meetings and meetings with Dan unclear whether they have an answer on the front office supporters group liaisons. Uh, they want ACB wants to restore the away travel benchmarks, including allocations of away travel policies and coordination efforts to pre pandemic benchmarks. Uh, the front office agreed and we worked on. Uh, and then uh, the last couple ones provide and execute a supporter centric season ticket member and stadium and modernization plan. Uh, front office response agree and will be worked on. ACB provide and execute a security communication and education program. Front office response agreed and will be worked on. Let's go back, though. The line in the sand that at least gets drawn in this and without any other specifics, this is what we have to go on. I haven't heard anybody refute this, so we will go with it and say, OK, let's understand where the line in the sand has drawn this season in 2023. Chris Klein says he will resign as president of the L.A. Galaxy uh, if the L.A. Galaxy don't make the Western Conference semifinals. I would like to remind you the L.A. Galaxy were in the Western Conference semifinals last year. Um, so basically they're saying, you know, if the LA galaxy or what, uh, what the front office is saying is that if the LA galaxy are able to do the same that they did last year, uh, that Chris Klein gets to keep his job. And if they don't, then, then he doesn't. Now, I certainly think the galaxy are in trouble. Um, I still think they can make the playoffs and I think it will be difficult for them to do that, but that's sort of where we're, we're at with the slow start that they had. Um, and by the way, everybody makes the playoffs, but setting the benchmark at the Western Conference semifinals is a lot better than advancing in the playoffs, right? That was that was um, uh, uh, opaque or that was that was too broad of a statement to say you advance in the playoffs. And as we talked about on the show, saying you could win the eight or nine um, and then that's advancing in the playoffs, right? So you go forward. So the Western Conference semifinals is a step up there. Um and I think out of all the concessions of anything it is, the definition of that is probably the biggest thing for me. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things. Now, again, I can't I can't verify the authenticity of this, um, but that's what has been out on the Internet. That's what people are reading. And I haven't heard of anybody saying that this is not true and this is all fake. Um, so that's that's a line in the sand that at least was drawn. Here's the thing, though. The LA Galaxy played this really smart. Let's give the LA Galaxy some props. Uh, whenever you're talking about war and what you're trying to do and how you're trying to win at all costs, the LA Galaxy are playing that game very well. Uh, they went in and separated the largest portion of the supporters groups, um, and they were able to negotiate with them outside of the group mentality of all the supporters groups are holding together. Um, they separated them out. Uh, they were able to negotiate with them. They won the concessions. And with those concessions, they've gotten them to come back into the stadium. Um, so you take if you're if you're in war and you're able to separate the largest part of the troops off to one side, um, then that makes the other ones less dangerous. Right. And that's really what uh, what the, the result is here for the L.A. Galaxy. They've taken the boycott. Uh, they've taken something where the pressure was absolutely ratcheted up go into that LAFC game. That's really where it hits its peak, right? And now you sort of get to see. Now the Galaxy win in Austin, that takes a little more heat off the front office, takes a little heat off of... Uh, of the. And, and again, I'm not saying that supporters are boycotting for the results of this season, but I'm saying that the pressure ratcheted up whenever the LA Galaxy were losing and the boycott is going on. It's talked about in every single game. 
um, on national TV, on MLS season pass, on Fox, whenever you would talk about the atmosphere inside the stadium. We've talked about it here on top of things is that it is a story in every single game that it's a quiet, that it's a quiet stadium. Um, and the LA Galaxy did a good job and they went and they negotiated and they split them apart, right? Um, so now you have a group over here that says they're going to return um, and it's the largest group, right? And you have a group over here that says we're not returning. Uh, let's get to the LA Riot Squad. Uh, LA Riot Squad that says there is more power in unity than in division. The boycott update. This was an email they sent out. They said Lars stays true to the boycott despite the news yesterday that ACB will be heading back inside the stadium, breaking their commitment to the other supporters groups. There has been no negotiation between Lars and the front office. We will continue to stand firm with Galaxy Outlaws, Galaxians, and Ghost Ultra Galaxies and boycott the Galaxy until we see changes we all originally sought back in January when we started this. Keep an eye on this email and socials for more updates as we try to work with everybody in full transparency. That's LA Riot Squad. Uh, uh, the Ghost Ultras Galaxies, uh, uh, Ghost Ultras Galaxy. It's so hard for me to say. That's not your fault. This is a me thing. Um, they say they are not returning to the stadium until Chris Klein is no longer in charge of the LA Galaxy. This is all we have to say. Direct all questions you have about ACB's actions to Angel City Brigade. All right. Um, the Galaxy played this really well, and they were, I thought, losing this rather importantly. Um, I thought these, I thought the takes the season ticket member email that went out lacked any real bite or teeth to it. Um, knowing that there's something behind it makes that email, I guess, a little more palatable. Um, but certainly understanding that that email was sent out basically at the request of angel city brigade, um, is also interesting in, in just trying to, to look at the groups and how they're going to be operating with each other. There has been in the past unity between the groups. There has been in the past discussions and animosity and everything else between the groups. I can't imagine that gets any better. And I don't know how any of this ever goes back together, right? I talked about the LA Galaxy winning at all costs. I don't know how you put this all together. Like Humpty Dumpty can crack and then you have to try to put them back together again. Um, you know, and, and you probably could have done that if you had a United supporters group that eventually either gets what they want or decides to end it all together. They're not together now. And that not togetherness is, is I think important to the future. Um, now the other part of this that is, that is certainly coming out and I don't know whether it's fair or not, but it's something that's been around for a little while. And I was made aware of it earlier was that people are re releasing that the, that, uh, ACB, it basically has back taxes that they owe. Um, let me, let me tell you something, uh, as somebody who sits on the board of a 501 C three taxes are a nightmare for nonprofits and you have to have specialized people who do them and, and all this other stuff. But for whatever reason, stuff was not done the way it was. And now almost $30,000 in back taxes is, is sort of owed. And while there was speculation that the LA galaxy paid off the, uh, the, the back taxes amounts that way, uh, angel city brigade could, could get there five one. That doesn't seem to be the case. I have not had any indications of that. And I don't think that that's what happened. Um, supporters groups do get portions of tickets. That's always the case. Um, you know, and so that's, that's one of those things you sit there again. I know of some involvement in terms of trying to help the, the, uh, the supporters group uh, fix that problem. And it wasn't just like, Hey, we're going to pay it all off for you. It was more like, let's get, find somebody who can help you do this as like a tax professional, that type of thing. Um, so that's, that's what I sort of understand it to be. I don't have verification on any of that, but in the terms of just seeing this and by the way, public document, it's not like it's hidden anywhere. Um, and you can look it up and I did look it up independently. So I can at least verify that this is real. 
um, that you can see this, that yes, they do owe back taxes on the stuff. I, I don't know if that factors into this or not. It's certainly a question you can ask, um, but I think assuming the worst on that is, is not fair to everybody either. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of things. And yes, even as a 501c3, depending on the activities that you perform uh, and depending on how you file, um, sometimes you could owe taxes. Um, sometimes it's like a sales tax thing. Sometimes it's just a matter of filing it correctly in the appropriate amount of time and making sure you pay, you know, to stay registered and all the things you're supposed to do. Tax law is horrible in this country and you all know that. So again, I'm not saying that, um, it is run as a nonprofit. A 501c3 is a nonprofit. And a lot of times that means that, you know, you don't have to pay taxes on certain things. Um, and a lot of times, as long as it is within the operation of and service to the 501c3, then you don't owe any taxes, right? So again, this is this has been an ongoing thing, I think, for at least a year um, to sort of find out about this. And it seems that ACB is trying to at least take care of some of that, right? And there's certainly threads out there that you can read on Twitter that say that. My big thing is that the loss of unity hurts the boycott. Um, and I think if you're looking at it from the LA Galaxy side, they suddenly just took a big leap forward in terms of winning the boycott, right? And there's no winning here. But I, I worry that the scorched earth that they are sort of allowing to take place and the fact that one group negotiated without the other groups, um, that's, that's a rift that will not soon be healed. Uh, and I worry about what the future of, of all the supporters groups is um, and, and how they are able to interact with each other. Eventually, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, eventually this all comes back together, guys, right? Everything comes back together. Everything's supposed to be fixed, okay? Eventually, in the future, things have been fixed and they're better and either the LA Galaxy are champions and Chris Klein's still president, but they're listing MLS Cups, um, which again... Uh, is is still sort of uh, a sore point in, in some of that stuff. I'm not going to say that even that fixes, but eventually something happens to where everybody's brought back together, everybody's back in the stadium, and it's just a normal game that we go to anymore. You go to a game, and the supporters groups are there, and they're chanting and singing. That's what this is supposed to go back to. Um, I, I'm not sure this, this rift gets repaired very easily. Um, so that's, that's, my, that's my big concern for everybody. Um, ultimately this is supposed to be fun. A lot of this stuff hasn't been fun this year and I'm, that's not a criticism. I'm just saying it. Sometimes life gets real and you have to deal with it. Um, and this is how people are, are, are sort of looking to do that. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I don't love the look of the undividedness. Um, if you have something to boycott about, and, and I'm also the guy who, by the way, has said there's no right way to protest, right? You can do it any way you want. Um, and the supporters groups have always said that if you wanted to go in the stadium and watch that you could. Um, so this is, this is the thing. I think it, it looks bad that Klein basically comes back off out, off of his suspension. Remember he was suspended from all soccer operations through the, through the transfer window, uh, the primary transfer window that he comes back and he, he gets this. Um, if, if you're trying to see, if you're trying to sit in the boycott and you're trying to do that thing, then that's the thing that's good for Chris Klein, by the way. He gets to walk into, this, into, the, into the office with his chest out saying, we got one back. We got a supporters group back. Things are starting to get better. But the us versus them continues. And now it's just us versus them versus them. And that eventually, somebody at the LA Galaxy has to have the understanding that this all comes together 
and has to come back together and fit together and be a cohesive stadium atmosphere that wants to be there, that respects each other, that wants to cheer for the LA Galaxy. And I think that they've thrown all of that away. Uh, the front office. I think they're, they're scorched earth. They do not care. They're going to win this at all costs. Um, and so understanding that, that's, that's where you're at. Um, you know, the definition of some of these things is, is really important. I think that's good. Um, but it, it's, it's a portion of the group that, that went off and did this. So that's, that's tougher to swallow whenever you look at how um, everything's supposed to come back together. And again, I don't know how that works. So that's my, those are my takes. I know they're probably pretty boring takes compared to all of the, the craziness that you've seen on, on Twitter. Um, I, try to, I try to keep a level head about this stuff and, and sort of understand it from all perspectives. And, and from ACB side, I can understand wanting to get back in the stadium. And maybe they think that getting back in the stadium and, and having banners out and being vocal and, and being able to protest inside the stadium is going to be just as effective as, as, as or even more effective than protesting outside the stadium. May 6th, we'll find out a little bit more, right? That's sort of where it is. Um, I, I do find it funny. I was talking with somebody from uh, LAFC whenever that game was going on, and it was sort of like, you know, he, they were saying, you know, there's a bunch of casuals in here who probably don't even know that the boycott's going on and wonder why it's all quiet. That's absolutely true. Oh, you know it's true. Um, and there's also people who are like, I'm not in a supporters group, and I'm going to just go to games. And there's some people who have absolutely joined the boycott. And who are ticked off that, you know, they seem to have been abandoned by at least one of the groups. I can understand that perspective, too. People are making sacrifices all over, and uh, I don't want to discount any of that. So that's, uh, that's where I sit on, on the entire supporters groups coming back and then all the different things. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to have anybody from any of the supporters groups who wants to come on and, and talk about it. I'm always willing, but I want to talk about it. I don't want to, um, I don't want to debate it. I want to have a discussion. Let's talk about it. Um, let's get to a, a little bit more as we get you closer to this. I just want to go through the standings of Supporters Shield. New England. New England? Bruce Arena? Again? Bruce Arena, right about time, right about now, uh, is getting ready if New England wins in their 10th game to have the most points through 10 games for New England. And he will have two of those in 2021 and 2023 because Bruce Arena is a boss. Everybody who's like, Bruce Arena doesn't know how to coach anymore. You don't know what you talk about like normal. Don't ever bet against Bruce Arena. He's 71 years old. He'll still kick your butt and he can still drink you under the table. My guess. All right. Bruce Arena in there uh, on the Supporter Shield. Cincinnati right there with him. New England, Cincinnati at 20 points. St. Louis at 19. Seattle at 19. LAFC at 18. Uh, Seattle, or excuse me, LAFC at 2.25 points per game. They technically would be the number one spot if they catch up in the makeup game. Um, I don't think that happens until July 4th, but they moved to game two, so it might not happen until September where everything sort of equals itself back out, right? Uh, Eastern Conference, we talked about it. New England and Cincinnati at the top. Atlanta at 18. Uh, New York City at 15 points. The fifth spot is Columbus at 14. Let's get into the Western Conference. St. Louis at the top, 19 points. Seattle at 19 points. LAFC at 18 points. Dallas at 14. San Jose at 14. Houston at 13. Minnesota at 11. Vancouver at 10. Real Salt Lake at 9. Portland at 8. Austin at 8. Colorado at 8. LA at 6. And Sporting Kansas City with 3 points. Um, the Galaxy are exactly where they should be right now in terms of the 13 points. That is right there at the .75. All right. 
Uh, let's get to the Orlando City game. The LA Galaxy traveling to Orlando. Orlando, in fact, landed this evening. Uh, they'll train in the morning at uh, at the stadium or in the surrounding area, wherever there's the, the training field. This game kicking off on April 29th, Saturday, April 29th, 4.30 p.m. Your kickoff is 4.39 p.m. Available on MLS Season Pass. Um, $5 super chat from Maximus says, whatever happened to that legendary fan who would wear the big hat with pins all over big hat with pins all over. Do I remember that one? The big hat with pins over. Who is that? Um, who is that? I want to know. I want to know, uh, who the, who the big, I, I, I just think hot dog girl should come back as much as possible. Um, this game available on MLS season pass again. Uh, this one's behind the paywall. So no free ones. Orlando's an interesting case here. All right. Um, and when we look at the head to head between these two clubs, three wins for Orlando, three wins for L.A., uh, the Galaxy haven't beaten Orlando since 2018. That's July 29th, 2018 in a 4-3 game at home. Um, and so not exactly a stellar record for the L.A. Galaxy, but Orlando is struggling. Um, Orlando City and the LA Galaxy each have three wins in their six previous MLS meetings. The last two matches ended one nothing to each other, a one on win on each side. After there were a total of 20 goals scored in the first four games between the Lions and the LA Galaxy. Orlando City, though, suffered its third straight home loss on Saturday, falling 3-1 to DC United. Orlando has lost 11 regular season home matches since the start of the 2022 uh, season. Uh, win 10, draw 1 after losing a total of 12 home matches over the previous three regular seasons combined. So win 20, draw 14 um, from 2019 to 2021. They're struggling at home. If you even go and watch their preview, they talk about, we don't know why we're not winning at home, three consecutive losses at home, but they they say they want to fix it. They want to get it right. Uh, If you watch the DC game, DC scored the first goal. Um, Orlando came back and tied it up and it felt like everything was sort of, okay, everything's back together and Orlando's going to come on. And then DC was able to, through some set pieces and some good play, uh, win. I think Orlando seems to be dangerous on the counterattack. They like to spring forward. Uh, Greg Vanny talked about Orlando and said that they're always a tough match and he played with and against Oscar Perea, um, and talked a little bit about, um, you know, Pereja and just the just the way it is. In fact, let's get to Greg Vanny's thoughts on Orlando. So that way you can uh, you can hear it from him instead of me. Yeah, the, look, the, every team with, with that Oscar coaches and I used to play with Oscar is hard to play against. You know, they're feisty. They're uh, they're just combative. They're they're difficult to play against. And so, you know, it's no surprise that his team now is, you know, they, they have had some injury issues and they're going through some of the challenges that teams go through like us at the beginning of season so they're trying to find some stability with things but no matter what when you go to Orlando it's always going to be a hard game and so they've they've varied a little bit their shape they've played five in the back they've played four in the back they've done different things so we're not really sure what they'll do from that side of things but you're always guaranteed to have he's going to have good players and they're going to be combative and so uh, you know we've got to try to be smart and focus on ourselves and try to again I thought this weekend we closed some of the gaps that, you know, we had been seeing in, in games prior. And if we continue to close those gaps, continue to become more efficient in our in our final actions, then we're going to create margins that are more favorable for us in terms of getting results week in and week out. So I think we, we made a good step forward uh, for sure this weekend. But I think the last two weekends have been better uh, in terms of our overall performance. What's it kind of been like? All right, there you go. Uh, Greg Vanny talking about the Orlando game a little bit there. Is it Linda Pickle? Is that who he's thinking of? Um, I saw Linda at the game uh, against Austin. So she's still around. Uh, did I ever tell you that I ran it like 
that I was in, I was working in the city of, uh, I think Santa Ana. I was working in the city of Santa Ana. I had to go pull a building permit. Actually, in this particular case, I was pulling a business license because you always have to get a business license in the city that you're working in whenever you're a contractor. Um, and I was in there and we were talking a little bit and the guy asked me what I was doing. I'm like, oh, I have an LA Galaxy game I have to go cover this weekend. He goes, oh, LA Galaxy, do you know Linda Pickle? And I was like, what? Um, and I go, yeah, I do. And he's like, oh yeah, she used to work here. Her office was covered in LA Galaxy stuff. I'm like, you should see my office. Um, so anyway, it was just funny that Linda Pickles, uh, persona travels far beyond even the bounds of Dignity Hill Sports Park or the Rose Bowl or anything like that. Um, she's everywhere as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, uh, yeah, back to Orlando. Uh, this is, it's such an interesting team. Um, they are not in great shape. Uh, they're ranked 20th in goals scored. Of course, the LA Galaxy are ranked 23rd in goals scored. Uh, they haven't kept a clean sheet in seven matches, and the Galaxy haven't scored in three away matches. Um, the Galaxy haven't won an away game in their last five matches, right? Uh, ranked uh, three away from home this season. So Orlando really has been a very good road team. The LA Galaxy haven't won a lot of road games. In fact, they haven't won, won, won a lot of games this year. Um, so, you know, scoring, getting Chicharito in there, getting things like that. That's sort of where, um, you know, this needs to go, uh, by the way, uh, Chewy, uh, a $5 super chat for your new liquid death addiction. I am, I do like, I do like the sparkly water. Is that, is that like too, uh, too bougie of me to like the, uh, the, eh. you can all wait while I drink. I, I listen to podcasts all the time with people who make really rude noises all the time. So I, I feel like you can wait a second. Um, Orlando's in this weird spot. I I don't know what to make of them. Um, they're not a horrible team. You know, certainly Oscar Pereja may be a little on the hot seat right now. Um, just because they're not getting results at home. And really, this is one of his years. This is, you know, how many years has Pereja been there now? It feels like forever. Um, but it feels like also like he was just with Dallas as well. Um, so Pereja is a very good coach. He's always been one of my favorites. I would love, uh, you know, in the future sometime to see Oscar Pereja co coach an LA Galaxy team. I've always wanted to see what he does with sort of a high spending team um, because he tends to get a lot out of his players. Speaking of that is this guy, uh, Maguire up top. Keeps scoring goals, man. He comes in, he scores goals. He's scrappy. Uh, he's a collegiate guy. So he's just out of the draft. He comes over. He's playing for them. I think he has scored in the three last games for them. Uh, so he's a guy, you know, Fagundo Torres is in there. Uh, let's see. You you don't see a ton of guys, but, you know, Galisi has been good um, in goal, but he hasn't been unstoppable. He's the guy who's going to make some ridiculous saves, but I've watched him and especially watch him in that DC United game. Go back and watch it. You know, Orlando was really picked apart. Greg Vandy talked about them playing in a five in the back, a three in the back. Um, you know, in this particular case, uh, MLS has them sort of in a three, four, two, one, nice little pyramid, uh, stack going on and they can switch and play in a lot of different things. And Oscar likes to give his guys free roles. Vanny said he didn't know which ones that they would be playing in. So expect the galaxy to sort of mark space more than anything else until they can figure stuff out. I just think the interesting part about this is that usually we've seen that Orlando can play either way, either they'll absorb and they'll, uh, they'll counter and they have been dangerous on the counter or they will, they will go ahead and control possession. I mean, 52%, I think is their average over the year. So they usually have more possession than their, than the other team. And especially at home, maybe that's what, what's been putting them in behind the eight balls that their possession game isn't as good as their counter game. Whenever they have to possess at home, uh, they don't get that done, but go watch that DC United game. Even look at their, 
their passing charts and just sort of see it's a little bit of a jumbled mess sometimes. Now, these are average positions, so sometimes it means that somebody covers a lot of ground and they stick them in the middle, right? Um, but, you know, this uh, this Duncan McGuire kid can score goals. He's scrappy. He doesn't care that he's going to be playing against the LA Galaxy. In fact, he's probably going to be more excited about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of... I, I don't know what you're going to do. And and we talked about this on Monday. Let's talk about it again. But Ricky Poosh is the big, big missing part. By the way, our good friend Pam, who lives in uh, Florida, um, she's she was all excited that Ricky Poosh was coming and then he gets a yellow card and he's not coming. Um, so RIP Pam, sorry about that. Um, but what are you going to do with Ricky Poosh? Is it as simple as just plugging Memo Rodriguez in, allowing, you know, Brugman to sort of play more of the, 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 the playmaker, um, in the center and let Memo sort of be that center guy. We haven't really seen him play quote unquote in the center that much, even in the preseason, it was mostly on the wing. Um, so, you know, does Memo play better in the center? Uh, can he pair well with Delgado and Brugman? Uh, how are you going to use Aude? Is he going to come up on the left-hand side? Is he going to cut inside? Is he going to stay home more? Uh, Caligari as well. What are you going to do with him? Is he going to get into the attack? Did the Galaxy start in a 4-4-2 again? Uh, Boyd on the outside, Douglas Costa on the outside. You could leave Memo on the uh, on the bench, right? And you could put Brugman and Delgado in the center. Very much a straight 4-4-2. Um, and then you can allow Aude to get forward and sort of create overloads with a five-man midfield and sort of that attack. So a three-five-two. Do you not start with the two? I don't. And we've watched Greg Vanny as much as we can. If I'm guessing what Vanny's doing, he's probably he might go back to a one-forward set because he wants more defensive pressure, more defensive stability. Um, having said that, I I hope he doesn't. I really would like to see the Galaxy play in a three-five-two or a four-four-two again. Um, I want to see Jovalich and Chicharito continue that partnership of being able to switch off. And if they get that going, if they can get that right, then I think the loss of Ricky Pouge isn't enough to throw them off um, from possibly stealing a win in Orlando. I think you sort of sit for a little bit for a draw on this one and you steal one when you can. And the Galaxy in that, you know, 4-4-2, were able to get in transition better than they have in any other game. Oscar Pereja probably saw that. Oscar is very good at marking guys out of the game. He knows how to disrupt flows um, with his teams and they will be, you know, this rough and tumble. They're going to try, you know, Quite honestly, it's probably a good thing Ricky maybe isn't, and that's not true. But we can pretend for a second that Ricky's not in there because you know that Oscar would be like body him as much as possible. And that's that's a similar game plan for a lot of people. It's just hard to catch him a lot of times. Um, I think that the loss of Ricky Pooj is too much for the LA Galaxy in this game. So I say they're going to lose this game 2-1. Um, I don't know whether or not they can muster enough offense in transition to counter what Orlando is going to be able to do to them. So... I would love to see um, sort of how the LA Galaxy solve the problem of Orlando without Ricky Pouge. It's at least from a neutral perspective, seeing how they try to handle that issue is going to tell you a lot about the LA Galaxy this season and how they, you know, sort of how they can adjust and handle the adversity that we know is coming. If we go to 538, which no longer has Nate Silver working at it, uh, we can look at this. The LA Galaxy started falling down that uh, that list. In fact, they have the Vancouver Whitecaps and FC Dallas and Seattle and LAFC all better than them in that Western Conference. And again, it's on the defensive side. It really should be more on the offensive side if you say anything. But 1.5 uh, on the offensive side, 1.6 on the defensive side, not good. On a simulated season, they expect the LA Galaxy to have a zero goal differential and 45 points. 45 points probably enough to put them into the playoffs. Um, 
Let's get to the match and what 538 says. Uh, an interesting one, 45% in Orlando win. Okay, I like that. LA Galaxy, 29% on the road. Not bad, actually. 25% chance of a draw. I don't mind basically the 30% for the Galaxy on the road. That's not a bad one. And I bet if you go and you can bet on that game, that's probably not bad to put your money on the LA Galaxy. Having said that, Galaxy winning road games, I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, let's see. Let's go through the home games real quick and say, nope, didn't beat Orlando. Nope, didn't beat Orlando. Nope, didn't beat Orlando. So as for at least for me in my quick research here, uh, the LA Galaxy have never beaten Orlando in Orlando. Again, that's roulette for me. Um, but it's it's pushing against the roulette uh, of the uh, of of Orlando not winning home games. So that's what we have. Uh, everybody in the chat room, go ahead. Give me your pr- best predictions. Uh, Chewy says one nothing. We escape with a win. Uh, one nothing. I concur from Gary. Uh, let me know what else you guys uh, sort of think. And we'll get to some of those uh, because Hammer's not here to do uh, any of his uh, predictions guaranteed to be wrong. So um, that's sort of where we sit. I'm glad I could join you guys on a Thursday night. Um, I don't know if we're going to have coverage on Twitter on Saturday for this game or not. I have some family obligations, some other obligations, so I will I will do my best, but I will try to. Obviously, I always watch the games, so um, we'll see whether or not I have that. All right? That's sort of where I'm at. Um, Gary, did I say, say anything? Uh, Gary gave us a $10 super chat and I appreciate that, Gary. Thank you again for the pod. Tough times, but we will get through it short. Shout out to the OGs in section 232. Oh, there's, there's some, I, you know, the two, the, the 200 section at Dignity Health Sports Park is not a bad place to watch a game. Uh, first time I ever watched a game, uh, in the stadium was up in the 200s. Very good. Uh, let's see. We got Aaron, of course, with the 10 nothing win for the LA Galaxy. You gotta love that. Uh, let's see. Elota says uh, 3 nothing. Uh, Shan says 0 0 boring game. Uh, breaking Rad 2 2. Aaron 100 to nothing now. Uh, Sports Lover 2 to 1 Lions. Uh, Aaron now going with 1,000 to nothing. Uh, Potter missed 1 to 1. So I can see that 1 nothing. Uh, 10,000 to one, of course, always Lisa Orlando got on the board in that one, Aaron. Um, so that's where we're at. Uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Uh, enjoy the LA galaxy from afar this week. If you're going to the game, uh, say hi to Pam. Cause she's going to be there. Hi, Pam. Um, and I'm sure there's some other LA galaxy fans who will be making a trip to Orlando and going to visit Mickey mouse or Harry Potter or any of those fun things that you can do. I did have chat GPT, write me a game preview, uh, that included Florida puns, but they were so horrible that not even I can put those out there. Uh, E-Super, $10 super chat. Go get some rest, man. I always try to rest, except there's always stuff happening, so that's tough to do. All right, uh, that's it. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. In fact, I would tell you that, except that things seem to be broken over there. So just go to the YouTube page or any of our podcast pages and all that fun stuff while I attempt to resurrect the website that is cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, we appreciate everybody for coming out and joining us here on the live chat. Hopefully you have a good weekend. Uh, the Galaxy playing on Saturday. Again, LA Galaxy, Orlando City at Explorer Stadium, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time is your TV start time. 4.39 p.m. is your kickoff on MLS Season Pass behind the paywall. All right, for everybody here in the chat room, thank you very much. I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to our little Corner of the Galaxy. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, 
And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>